Happy New Year, everyone. I cannot believe it is 2024. If you're anything like me, you probably keep writing the previous year on every document for at least three months. But yes, Happy New Year. So this episode is one about habit building and it has a new spin on it because when we often think about our habits, we think about our actions, we think about our behaviors, the outcomes, the goals that we want to achieve. But the focus here is really on leveling up your identity because it is our subconscious beliefs about ourselves that often end up holding us back, whether we are aware of them or not. And our guest on this episode is Anthony Trucks, who I said, you know, if he doesn't, if this business of his doesn't work out, he's actually doing very well. But if it didn't, he'd have a great job in phone sex or something because his voice is beautiful, which I'm sure you're going to agree with me on. But yeah, Anthony is a identity shift coach a best-selling author. He is formerly an NFL football player, a competitor on American Ninja Warrior. And he also shares quite honestly about what it meant to go through foster care, to be rejected by his mother in his infancy, and to overcome fear and shame, to develop a gritty mindset, and to build the successful business that he has today. So on this episode, we speak particularly about why it is so important to look at your identity and how this is where we should focus our attention in habit building. We speak about sabotage, the importance of taking consistent action, in fact, in the opposite direction of what you think you should be doing, because you need to act out of character in order to make change. We talk about separating emotions and actions, how we can find the courage to do things differently, some of the reasons why we should do hard things, because in fact, they build our grit, they build our discipline, and making that shift into being an action taker. And in the last part, we really focus in on these three key steps in order to shift your identity to make the change that you really want. I loved this episode. It was one of my favorites. A great way to kick off the new year. And if you love it too, and you have been a long-standing listener on this show, I would be super grateful if you can consider pledging your support to make sure that we can keep bringing you high quality content every week. And you can do so by clicking the Patreon link in the show notes. But with no further ado, here is my conversation with Anthony. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Starting Over podcast. It is a real pleasure to have you and great timing with the start of the new year and so many of us thinking about how we want to make changes. And we often think about making changes to our behavior. How do we want to level up our habits? How do we want to show up differently? What are some of the actions we want to take that change how we are or be in the world? And that is important but yet you say that we should start with something else and that something else is identity. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, well, I'd give you a simple statement, which is I do not believe you can attain or sustain anything above your current identity. So I, there's certain things I want to accomplish and get done, right? There's certain people that have to have to embrace actions and habits and patterns that allow you to attain that thing in the first place. And if you do get it to sustain it over time, And so I know when you talk to habits and patterns and mindset, it's all just, it's wrapped inside of your identity. And all it is, is definition in my head is who you are when you are not thinking about who you are, your natural state. Like we all have friends that we know and go, hey, what would so-and-so do if all of a sudden, you know, uh, a bullet rang out and we would, would they be the person that would run or they would kind of help everybody? Like, you'd know what they would do because you know their identity, you know how they show up because you know their habits, their patterns, their actions. And so for all of us, we aspire to have things, but we don't look at who we have to become to get them. And really, Mm. you mentioned already, it's habits, but habits aren't things you do. It's really who you are expressed in the term for us as habits. I love that. And I actually think that's a really great point that you mentioned about sustaining something, Mm -hmm. because I think that's a key piece that we often forget. And actually, there's a lot of research. I spoke recently with Gay Hendricks, who speaks a lot about our upper limit problem and how we we when we reach our capacity or what we have our underlying belief think that we that is possible for us we end yeah. up sabotaging back into our zone of comfort 
And yeah. I think this is where it shows how important that identity shift is or that deeper work that is necessary to to rewire your belief system. Oh, yeah. Love that word. Yeah. yeah. Gay is about uh, if you fight for limitations, you get to keep them. That's like his, I think it's something that he had stated at one point. And yeah, if you have limitation, you fight for whatever excuse as to why you're there, you will get to keep it. So I do agree there. Yeah. Yeah. And the excuses, they get in the way a lot. I've, yeah. I've got to say, we've we've all got our whole array of excuses. I put my hands up with this one. <laughs> I think sometimes yeah. my husband is like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's probably complaint do. or excuse. <laughs> Every one of us has those. I we like do. the word you said of, of the rewire, though, because excuses, I think all those things are just like they're literally wiring. Like, think about it this way. We are typically wired to find the negative. Like, if I ask, hey, can you take me to the airport tomorrow afternoon? You don't go, yes, and then find a way to solve it. You immediately like, go, well, why can I not? They were wired to go find the reason why not, even in some simple aspect like that. And it does get reapplied other places. So the norm for us is to have an excuse uh, as to why we can't do it. And it's mostly because we're trying to avoid a discomfort. Our brain does that. It doesn't, not, our brain doesn't like change, right? At, the, at a neurological level, it doesn't. So you actually have to do what you mentioned, which is rewire. It's not always easy. I, I know there's just language and process that I do and kind of focus on that. But you are right. It actually becomes this rewiring. And it's not that hard because all of us, if you think about it, if you think to who you were 10 years ago, it's hard to get back into that mind space. Like I know Anthony in, in his 30s was a different guy than he is now. Like I, I, I can think back to what I used to do and go, how did I even do that? Like, why would I, you know, because I've, I've wired differently over time. So we've all done it, but we hear that and go, oh, it's going to be difficult. No, you've already done it. You just did it. I, there's, there's two ways to do it. I say you could do it on demand intentionally or when crap hits the fan. For most of us, it's when crap hits the fan. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So in terms of, I'm curious, the, like the language around this, because something that I know that James Clear speaks about is when you're looking at having an identity shift, you have to, you have to say things differently. So instead, let's say that you're trying to quit drinking yeah, and you have a problem with alcohol, perhaps you, maybe you're not a serious alcoholic, but you know that you you often drink to take the edge off and to curb stress and you mm -hmm. haven't found another coping mechanism for that. So he'd say, let's say that one of your New Year's resolutions is that you want to drink less or quit drinking completely. Instead mm -hmm. of saying, "I," if someone offers you a drink, like, no, thank you, I'm trying to quit. You should shift that to, no, thanks, I'm not a drinker. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's great language to use. And what's good about it, it plays into the aspect of human's desire for alignment. Right? We, we, we like to live our life in a way that makes our words correct, even if it's subconsciously. Like if I go, oh, I'm stupid, you'll do things to put yourself in a situation to be able to say, see, look, I'm dumb, right? Well, yeah, because you did things that would allow you to not be smart and you said something, so you want to be correct. So when you do state something that's anchoring to an identity, which is I don't drink, you're actually going to fight to stay in alignment in a positive way. Now, that's yes, the end yeah. all, right? That's, that's always the, the destination because if you just drank yesterday, we have that cognitive dissonance where you go, I just drank yesterday, but I'm not a drinker because I chose today. Your brain goes, hold on, you were just drunk last night. You know, So you do have that battle. And the way you overcome that, guy like Alec Ramosi says, you have to outwork the doubts. You have to actually have essentially his core concept there is you have to have proof through actions of what you say you're going to be or are not going to be. So if you say, I'm not a drinker, I don't drink, beautiful. It has to be where you've, you've had situations over many windows of time where you can state that and you avoided it to where now you have that connection and go, yeah, I'm not a drinker. Come on, I don't drink. Like, yeah, 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 I saw you last, yeah, that was last year, right? You can actually fight for that position. But if in some pattern you you, you didn't, you had an action in opposition, uh, you're easily able to slip off the curb there, right? So there, there's some nuances around that, but 100% the ability is to get to a point where you can confidently say, I don't do that or I am this. Yeah, yeah. and it's recognizing that it, takes a lot of effort in the beginning because especially when you are fighting against that lack of evidence because you don't know what that new self is like yet you know yeah. for me even when I started this podcast I always had problems with around consistency and I didn't mm -hmm. perceive myself to be a consistent mm -hmm. person and it kept on showing up and it does still show up in many ways in my life but then recently somebody said but you have done this podcast every week for two years there you go. so now that is evidence to suggest Hang on, maybe I am consistent. Maybe I'm not exactly. consistent in all ways, but it's enough to yeah. challenge that underlying belief so that maybe, it just yeah. it reduces the power of those beliefs, I think, underneath oh, yeah. that you hold it replaces them. There's yeah. that, the concept is that, so I have, I have, it's funny you say podcast. I, have, I do a daily podcast every weekday, last 800 and 
now 11 weekdays. I've done a daily podcast, seven minutes. I rock and roll to say something, right? And somebody goes, man, I want to be able to do that. Because what that has turned into for me business-wise, skill set-wise is it's priceless. And someone goes, I, I don't have the discipline like you do to do that. I go, you're missing the whole point. It's not that I'm disciplined, so I did it. I did it to get disciplined. Like yes. you need to have that thing. So for a lot of people saying, I can't do it because I don't have the discipline, you're never going to have it. If you if you think about it, like if you want to have a person, I, th- I saw like it was um, a movie and Samuel, Samuel, not Samuel Jackson. It was uh, Morgan Freeman was like, was God in some you know realm. And, and someone's like, why do you know, how, how come you don't just give people this patience and this trust? He goes, well, if I want you to have patience, I must give you a situation that creates chaos. So you can develop patience. If I want you to be strong, I have to give you difficulties to make you strong, right? If you want to have discipline, I must give you, or you must give yourself a situation to be disciplined to. The problem for most people is they try to be disciplined to the emotion. So when you're trying to develop an identity, you go, I want to be this. It's great, but the emotions will, will flee. You'll wake up one day and not have the emotion. If you want to be disciplined, you must be disciplined to a plan. So it's laid to out. It's the time I do this at this time of day, every day, whatever it is. And you do it against the desire to like your podcast. I'm going to do it. And no matter what, you do it. And here's why, because I, I guarantee in the last two years, you have had a moment in time where you go, oh, did I get this podcast done? Because I just, you know, and you had all the opportunity to not do it. But in your gut of guts, you go, you would have lost sleep and felt gross if you didn't get it done. That's because mm-hmm. you developed this identity trait and you're fighting to stay in alignment with who you already know you are now. It's so true. And what I will say is that it gets easier. So in this, for me, in the consistency of doing the podcast for two years, it was definitely harder at the beginning to show up every week. Mm-hmm. And then it is now being established more as a habit or a routine yep. as such. And of course, there's times yep. where I haven't planned effectively. Uh, but but you're right. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. It was the commitment of, yes, I'm going to show up. Yeah, it's effortless effort yeah. now. It's uh, It is in the beginning because you're not just battling. Here's funny. When you start something new, you're battling a couple things. One, you are battling this this uh, this new action that doesn't feel like you. So you're battling your own voice going, this isn't who you are, Shannon. What do you, what are you thinking? What? You're like, yeah, I'm not, but like you're, you're working against that. And then also you're battling the people around you go, what are you doing? A podcast? What's, what are you to do a pod? Right. So you're, you have this internal and external conversation. The only thing you can do to shut it up is have a louder voice of action. The loudest voice in the room gets heard, right? So your voice says, no, I'm doing this and you act on it. And then yes, eventually it becomes effortless effort because now it's part of your identity. It's an alignment and it becomes, his thing, it becomes harder not to do it than to do it. And when you get to that sweet space, not only do you have that thing locked and loaded, you're open and able to take on more opportunity. People want all these big, vast things in their life, but they can't handle the base foundational discipline to get in front of the opportunity that they want. And so if you're battling this right here, that can't be a dream just yet. I mean, it can, but you're going to have tension not having a path towards it. But the moment the little things become easy, now the bigger things become more frequent in your life. Such a good point. Anthony, I want to go to your story because were you always somebody who was disciplined, who had a lot of grit, who believed in himself? Yeah. Well, always would would uh would it based on when you decided to meet me. If you met me at say 16 years old, yeah. From 16 on, I've had that. Prior to that, no. Nah. I was a foster kid. I get given away as a kid. So I didn't have a sense of self or pride or confidence. Um, I didn't think I, I was worth very much to the world. My own mom didn't want me, you know, so there wasn't all that. And then I, I got real fed up one year, like freshman into to sophomore year. I tried football for like a couple of years. I was horrible at the game, but I love the idea of it. Like, it'd be cool to be good, but I, I just wasn't. I started way too late. And on top of that, I come from, you know, this family where I'm, I'm just real. I was adopted by a very poor, all white family. My mom was sick and diagnosed with MS. So there wasn't this focus on sports or academics or anything. There was no base of support for us to be successful humans, to be honest. Love my family. We just didn't have that. And at one point in time, I just, I had this really deep, unsettled sense of like anger at the fact that I, my life just sucked. Like it was, I wasn't doing good in sports. I wasn't doing good in school, but like, I felt like I was an intelligent human. You're like, I'm a smart guy, but I just was pissed. And I go, I'm going to find a find a way to get great. But I, I looked at football as the pathway. I didn't know how, right? Because I wasn't a, a guy that had that background. But I realized, well, if I look at the guys who are doing what I want, they plan on TV and doing my, well, they must do things. What do they do? What they do, they lift weights and they run routes and they do this kind of stuff for football. And I go, do I do that? No. Are you the guy that does that? You're not. How do you become the guy that does that? 
simple answer. You just do it and you do it ugly. <laughs> That's the pathway. Everybody's like, how do I become yep. whatever it is? There are a million books on how to become a millionaire. You don't have to have the right one. You just have to do whatever one of them tells you to do. It is that simple, but people are battling the sense of alignment. We want habits, but the problem is you can't adopt a habit if you will not accept that it might be who you are to do that habit, right? So if you want to be uh, the next, you know, internet millionaire, right? Make this thing. Well, if you go, I don't build websites. I don't use technology. Well, you won't even adopt the fact you are the kind of person does that. How do you expect to have a habit doing that? And so a lot of it is we're battling our sense of who we currently are. And we're not willing to give that person up to build who we need to become that does the things that give us the things we want in life. Such a good point. Such a good point. And so many of us find ourselves in that. And that is probably the daily challenge. But I'm hearing what you're saying about taking the opposite action. Yeah. It's almost like if you, if you, if you have the cold, let's say anxiety is sounding its inner alarm because you're fearful of approaching this new situation, getting mm -hmm. a promotion at work, putting yourself yeah. forward, finally starting that book that's been on the back of your mind that you should do. You start mm -hmm. feeling anxious. Your inner story is playing out like, who am I to do this? I don't know where yeah. to begin. I don't yeah. know the steps to do this. And all yeah. you want to do is withdraw. And you feel yeah. that inner pull to withdraw. And I think we've all been there where you go, oh, okay, I want to I retreat. And yeah. actually the challenge is in that moment, how can you dig deep and take Lean the in. step forward? Lean yeah. in. Quick pause. If you're a regular listener to the show and you have found value in these episodes, I would be immensely grateful if you pledged your support. Reality is podcasting is not a free venture. There are many behind the scenes costs, but with your support, you'll be able to help me fuel the growth of this podcast and keep bringing you bigger and better guests each and every week. And of course, the signature honesty and real talk, which I'm known for. So if you'd like to say thanks and support the show for less than a cup of coffee per week, you can click the link called Patreon in the show notes. Thanks so much in advance, guys. Back to the episode. Yeah, there's actually a, a mental process that I talk through. Uh, I call it the identity loop because this is really like how our, our functioning works. Imagine a loop and it has these circles. I think there's like seven circles. And the top circle is your identity. If I was to ask you, hey, Shannon, who are you? You tell me I'm this, 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 and this, right? Totally cool, right? That's, that's fine. We all have those, those ways we describe ourselves. But that identity you have, it does lead to a sense of beliefs. There's certain core beliefs you have about yourself, the world that are just, they're just there. How they got there, let's, we're not going to go on there just yet. Then we have the, the beliefs that lead to actual thoughts, right? The thoughts that you have from the beliefs. If I believe that, you know, something's possible, my beliefs lead to thoughts of possibility and opportunity. If I believe everything is, you know, woe is me, then I'm, I'm going to have thoughts in that direction. Those thoughts lead to our emotions, how I feel about a situation, about myself entering the world each day. Those emotions are interesting because they are the fire behind our actions. They are what move them. If I don't feel like emotionally willing to do, I'm poo buddy and I'm in a bad mood, right? I don't take bold, confident, strong actions. But if I have the emotion of like, you got this, Aunt? Yeah, right. I take bold actions. No matter what happens, those actions, this is the next stage of it. You act in some way. They create outcomes, more of something, less of something, a failure or success. They create the outcomes of our life. And then we take the outcomes and we, we took a look at them. We go, how do I feel in the environment internal, myself about myself and external? What environment am I living in? Do I have a nicer house, nicer car, better relationships? Do I feel better about myself? Those things fuel us in terms of a, like a direction towards the identity being anchored again. So for example, I say I'm stupid. I identify as a stupid person. I believe I'm dumb. Yeah, you are stupid. Oh man, it sucks you're stupid. Poor action. Gosh, see, I suck. I lost at this thing. See, I, I can't do anything right. I'm stupid. And it circles and it circles and it circles. When you can flow in the opposite direction, things go amazingly. But the problem is you have to kickstart it somewhere. And I found it happens like you just mentioned and I was talking about. It happens between the separation of emotion and actions. We have all acted in some way beyond the emotion. When we were kids, we would jump off cliffs into water and do you know, dives off the diving board. And we were fearful of doing it. We we're going to die in our thoughts and our heads. So my identity was like, I don't jump off of cliffs into water. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to die if you do that. Yeah, why would you do it? Oh, don't do it, Anthony. I don't do it. Everybody laughs at me. The outcome is I'm stuck here. And I go, see, I'm not that guy. But then at one point in time, I go, shut it all down. You run and all of a sudden you're in the air and falling. <laughs> like separate from the emotion, you just took the bold action. Splash. Oh my gosh, I'm in the wall. I got people next to me swimming. 
I feel good. Maybe I can do jumps, right? And then you believe a little different because you're, you're then you get like loosen a little bit, and then you you think maybe you can do it. You feel a little more confident. You take a bigger jump, and another outcome, right? People are clapping for you because you did a backflip. By the end of the day, you're the star of the pool. But it's because you took this action separate from the emotion. All of that is the same thing to be applied to the career. I want to start a business, have a better job, fix the marriage, get in better shape. All the same stuff. It's actions that are not who you are right now, but you take them because they create a different outcome that eventually spins that loop differently to become who you are. I'm inspired right now. (laughs) I'm going to go and make these changes. I don't know if anyone else listening is like that right now, but it's so true. And, you know, I think somewhere that I have struggled, and I know probably many of the listeners on this podcast too, is being more of an emotional person, which Mm. brings a lot of beautiful things in life. It does. You have deeper connections with people, like, yeah, lovely relationships. But one of the pitfalls is there's a tendency to make emotionally driven decisions. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying there about actually how can you separate that and take the step back from the emotion, be more calculated or more even values led of like, where, where am I going? And then act from that place instead. I think 90% of the time, I mean, you, you should be driven by your emotions, but then the emotions you have to keep in mind, like there's some that are bold and confident to do something. And then some are, are negative because your logic tells you you should do this, but your brain goes, but you haven't. You're not good at that. What makes you think you can go in that direction? You're going to mess up. And the emotion now is there, but not the powerfully, you know, we'll call it beneficial one. So the emotions, they should drive us. I like to operate from an emotional state, right? Not in a sense of like detrimental, but I want to, like I want to be here and be in good energy emotionally to hang out with you, right? I got stuff going on right now that would, could definitely have me be like, you know what? I want to cancel these, right? But for me, I go, no, I want to show up in great emotion to hang out with Shannon because I'm looking forward to talking, right? But I can, I can adjust and lean into that emotion because the logic of what I got to do is different than just the emotional fuel. So what I'm saying is, yes, we do want to have emotion, but you don't want it to be the only thing. And you got to be aware of when the emotion is tied to a logic that you can adjust with action. Because if I know that my, my fear and my anxiety is from not doing this thing, I go, well, logically, I got to lean into that and get better at it to where I'm not driven by the negative emotion that makes me procrastinate, make excuses, have avoidance techniques and tactics, right? But if you can go, I need to get good at that thing, and you lean into it, you eventually go from this thing where you're fearful of it to where you can't wait to do it. Like, I used to be afraid of going out and playing football when I was a kid because I would get hit. I was horrible. And then I did go do the things other people do. I lifted weights and I ran routes. I did all those things against my teammates making fun of me, me looking stupid, right? But eventually, oh, I got real good. Like, professional athlete good. I played the NFL to where I couldn't wait to this day. If you get, I can't wait to put my helmet on. Let me go run around. Like I can't, I'd love to go out there and do that for a little bit. Right. I love the idea of it because I went from being horrible at it, taking the actions getting better to where it went from pain to joy, genuine joy doing it. Like I'm sure you in the beginning of the podcast were like, gosh, I don't know if I'm, I want to mess up the interview. I hope they liked it. Like, was I okay? Right. Today you're like, Hey, let's hop on. Right? <laughs> yeah. But that yeah, yeah. journey is the same for everybody, but people get off the train too early. Yes, yes, it's true. You realize it's the, the rewards come when you apply that consistent effort yeah. over a sustained period of time. And you likely yeah. shift your identity in the process of doing so as 100% well. 100% you do. 100%. Because yeah. people, yeah. If, you, if you think about it, people go, I don't know, we'll shift my identity. I don't know. That's the work I do. I, my goal is to have you have an identity shift where one day you wake up and look at yourself and go, I'm doing things I never considered myself the person to do. And, and really, well, no one woke up and said, I want to have an identity shift, right? They do want things. I want to have a nicer house, a nicer car. Well, what does it take to do that? Well, I may get a promotion or start a business. The things you have to do on a daily basis, they're going to be, they're going to tug at your soul unless it's who you are to do it. So if, if the same actions that mean you have to do to have a great podcast and you eventually get to the point of loving doing it, easy for you. But for me, I'm always afraid of it. It's, it's, it's apprehension and it's anxiety. I'm using willpower. Eventually, I'm going to stop and you're going to keep going. And I'm going to look at you and go, how did you do that? How are you so great? I just fell in love with the process. Cool. And then once you follow up the process, it does become your identity to do it to where you could actually say, oh, I'm a podcaster. Like I bet if you go to places where you meet people the first time, what do you do? I'm a podcaster, right? You could say that with confidence, but it's because you did those different pieces of work. So everybody's looking like the new year coming up. How do I lose weight? Like, yeah, become the person that says, I'm a gym goer. It's what I do. I go to the gym. Okay, cool. Um, well, I eat healthy. 
right? I'm a healthy eater. Okay, cool. That's what I am. Not I'm trying this because trying just a built-in excuse, right? But the thing is, you're going to start not feeling like it's who you are. The only thing you can do is do the actions over time. And one day you'll pop up. You won't be able to pinpoint the moment in time, but you'll wake up and look back and go, oh crap, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a podcaster, right? I bet you can't think of the day that you all of a sudden were like, oh, oh, I'm a podcast, right? No, but if somebody looks at you now, you go, yeah, I'm a podcaster. What day did that happen? I don't know. It just happened, right? That, that's the thing that should apply to people's lives. So true. Yeah, I love that. What is one of the biggest identity shifts that you've personally had? Oh, that's a good one. That I am the common denominator in all my problems. There's, there's the ego for all of us that wants to keep our identity safe. Everybody will say like, I'm not perfect. But the moment you point out an imperfection, their ego fights you on it. I'm not perfect. Oh, what do you mean? I'm not good at that. Like, and it's just this thing because I don't want to feel bad. And the thing that ends up happening for me is I, I, I realized that a lot of the things that were in my life were there because I put them there or because I allowed them to get there and won't remove them. And so that, that shift from me feeling like to point out an imperfection was a problem became the, the core benefit to me because now I can look at it and go, oh yeah, I did do that. All right, let's stop it. Aunt. And then we're done with that, you know? Or if I'm letting it happen, I'm like, yeah, I'm done letting that happen. I'm done with it, right? So I can now identify as a person that, that can say, hey, I've done this to the best of my ability, but I'm not perfect. I made that mistake. I learned this from the mistake. I've reapplied that in this area. Let's rock. But like that helps my marriage because when my wife says, hey, you're not doing this, this, and this well, as opposed to battling her, I can go, okay, all right, you're right. All right, I'm gonna work on that. And I'll genuinely work on it ego-free. Or if in work, one of my team comes and goes, aunt, we need you to do this. You're, you're being delayed on this. I don't know what's going on. Ah, you know what? You're right. Okay, I'm gonna get back on it, right? And so I can, I can take the feedback that will help me improve. And so that massive shift allowed me to keep people close to me, develop greater respect for people, and a vastly more success and peace. Because if I didn't do that, it would take forever for me to make the improvements to make my life better. And so that, that trait was one that had to be you know, killed off, that ego had to die years ago. But that shift from I'm perfect, I'm infallible. I got an excuse for the reasons of why I'm, you know, to going like, damn, that's right. Okay, I messed up. And doing that simple thing, it's made huge changes for my life. Mm. I guess I hear that it wasn't the other end of the lack of self-esteem because for a lot of people I know in in this space thinking about how to make changes, that it will often be the other, the other side of the coin in like yeah. – the, the unworthiness, the shame, the, oh, I've had that. The, the sense of, <laughs> you've had that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I mean, at one point I was divorced with my wife for three years. I mean, it was, it was bad. I was, you know, it, it sucks. And you do feel helpless in those moments because you actually keep yourself stuck because in your head you go, uh, I feel shame. I feel, you know, sadness. I'm, I'm the root of this and the cause. And, and what we tell ourselves is I had no, I had no control over that. So I just, I don't want to go back in because it's going to happen again because I have no control over that. So we actually avoid getting back into good situations. And so what, what I noticed was like, nah, man, I, I, I was part of the cause of this, right? And, I, and I, could, I could embody the shame and the pain and realize that just because I did something that I'm ashamed of doesn't mean I am a shameful person. So that is a, a different, but I did, I battled that. But here's the interesting thing that I don't think people are paying attention to, which is one, no one's really paying attention to it, but you, you know, like only you're really worried about it, everybody's worried about themselves. But you can you can actually work yourself out of those holes, but nobody wants to because they're afraid that if they're climbing, someone's going to point out what they did and push them back down the ladder. And for me, I go, any person willing to push you back down the ladder, they don't need to be even in, on the ladder in the first place, you know, like just get them off the flow and go in the right direction. But we all have the ability to make the most of some crazy, crappy situation of what we did. And so, yeah, we will all have that. I've had the shame and the frustration and the sadness from what I did in my marriage or what I did as a parent or my business is not doing very well. And if you, if you stay in that place and don't act in a way of opposition, you'll just anchor yourself deeper and deeper there. But you're going to have to do things that are completely out of your comfort zone that are completely in the complete out of character. Direction. Oh, yeah. Out of identity. It's going to feel like you're in somebody else's skin. It always does. It's, that, that's what the natural path, my son right now, he, he's a football player and wants to be great. And I go, you have to start questioning everything that you do. Because if you do anything and it feels comfortable where you're at, because you're not a world-class athlete, you should have a red flag saying this isn't good enough. I'm not saying you're not good enough. I'm saying that that isn't good enough. 
And so you got to watch yourself and film yourself and test yourself and ask yourself questions. You must challenge your comfort because what happens is when you challenge that, you start to expand that comfort into new things and better things. And little by little, you start to have this pride and confidence in opposition because here's the thing that's the beautiful, beautiful key of all this. When I have this shame or sadness, whatever it is, the best thing you can do is act opposite. And here's why. We all have what's called an investment bias, right? If I give money to something, I expect a return, right? If I give you money and you say you're going to you know, double that money, I want a double return. If I want to give me a burrito, I want my burrito, right? If I give you some money, <laughs> I want the investment return. As human beings, when we invest in hard things, right? Doing something that feels uncomfortable or difficult, the return on your investment is self-confidence, self-esteem, pride, power, because you did that hard thing. Do you guys have CrossFit where you're at? I'm sure CrossFit's worldwide now, Yeah, right? it is worldwide, yeah. Like the, the common joke is like, the first rule of CrossFit is to tell everybody you do CrossFit, right? Everybody that's CrossFit tells they do CrossFit. It's the thing. You go, why is that? Because they go to those gyms and they kill themselves. It is so hard. The hard, the difficulty makes them proud. So they want to tell the world. It's the exact same thing for all of us. So if you want to get out of that shame and anger, you have to go to the point of going, I'm going to do something so crazy direction. It's so hard, almost intentionally because it's hard. Because the return is the opposite feeling I've been looking for. Such a good point. And it makes me think if I was to reflect on the things that I'm most proud of in my life to date, there are, there are a couple of things that stand out. One was getting into a ridiculous university that I never thought I would be able to get into back That's in cool. the day. That And, uh, and secondly, winning this legal case against my ex-partner who was narcissistic mm-hmm. and it was a really difficult battle for a couple mm-hmm. of years. And got sole custody of our son, permission to move to Switzerland from Australia. And both Mm -hmm. of these things were really challenging, very emotional. Um, And I look back and I go, wow, I'm proud of myself for that. I'm proud of the person that I became in the process of doing that hard thing. Is it the same for you if you look back on what you're proud of? Oh, yeah. I mean... I have a lot of mistakes I've made and I'm I'm very confident in my humanity now because I tell people you shouldn't tell anybody how to run the race until you've crossed the finish line. Like I don't come back and teach people from places of things I'm going through right now. I'll share with you what I'm doing, but the advice I give is is perspectives on paths that I've went down, made a ton of mistakes, crossed the finish line, looked back and gone, you know what? I shouldn't have went left there. I should have went here. I should have done that, right? But if I'm in the race and I go, I'm making a left. Hey, guys, make a left. We're all making the mistake, right? So the idea is I get to a point in time where I can look back and go, yeah, like, the, you know, I, I learned this from that. And and I think you have to have those moments, but not not have them be the thing where you go, um, I suck because of that. And it condemns you for a lifetime. It's just going like, no, this is part of the journey. It's the best place on the lesson that I can move better. Because they say, I'm going to butcher this, I, I feel, unfortunately. But I think the statement goes, um, good decisions are born of of bad decisions, something like that. And, and bad decisions are, are, it's some of the realm of like, you, you get wisdom from making, you know, you know, bad mistakes in time. So it's like, it's like, you know, great choices are born of, of having previously made bad choices. Essentially what the thing is, I told you I was going to butcher it, but in life we make bad choices. We do bad things. And that's just part of how we go. Okay, cool. I saw that. I don't want to repeat that. What did I learn? How do I reapply this and do something better? And that's the, the depth of journey we should go through. But we all feel like we got to hide that, not talk about that. But that's really how you, one, connect with other humans who've done the same thing or too ashamed. But it's also how you gain uh, a sense of understanding to reapply to get the thing you want most. So if you don't acknowledge your problem, acknowledge your fault, acknowledge your difficulty, you never learn the lesson that you can reapply to get to the dream that you have. So whatever goal we have of doing something you're going to face another similar but different problem that needs that lesson learned to reapply. But if you don't acknowledge it, you're going to face something else that's similar and still get stuck at it and stockpile negative situations as opposed to going, okay, why is this go? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why is this going on? And eventually you start going, oh, I got to change this, 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 and this. And then you can move forward by, by having a sense of confidence. And here's what you do. You learn a lesson, reapply, have success, and it trumps the failures. It just does. Nobody cares what you Nobody cares you failed in the past if you're winning now. Like, look at that person winning. I love it. What'd you do? I messed this up. Oh, okay, cool. I love it. You're winning now, right? But we, we get stuck in the, the circle of, oh, I messed up, I messed up, I messed, and never fix it. And then we never get to live that life. We look at other people. Then what we do is even worse is 
We look at somebody else living a life we want to live and we condemn them and we shun them because we don't want to have to acknowledge ourselves. So it's easier to push them down with words than to acknowledge where we're at and lift ourselves up with actions. Yeah, it's so true. And it's and it's so much easier to stay in that that comfort zone of, okay, I feel inadequate looking at this other person who's achieving that thing that I actually secretly want to be achieving. So I'm just going to avoid that. Yeah. But actually, yeah, meet it with action. Get meet it with action. action. Yeah. yeah. It makes I'm I'm getting the impression that you're a very gritty person. And I recently read mm. a book by yeah. Angela Duckworth on how important grit is. And she said yeah. We, we all have different talents and maybe, maybe part of it is working out what actually is our special talent and how can we best apply that to have successes in, in the world. But she says, in order to have skill, you need to have mm-hmm. talent and effort. So talent yeah. and effort will make skill, but that's not enough. You need to have skill and effort in order to have an achievement. Yeah. And I think this, this links so much as well. It's that idea of like recognizing that you really do need to take these bold actions to be able to get to where you want to go. And it has to be sustained. Otherwise you will never make it. True. Cause you can't yeah. develop the skill unless you go through the journey of developing the skill. If it takes 10,000 hours, they're not fun hours. You know, it's like the, the, I saw recently a video of Ed Sheeran on a TV show. Cause he has an amazing voice and they're, you know, he's talking about how people think he was born that way. He's like, no, let me play you a song. He has this, this song in his Oh, I saw that. Right? Of him like, I'm like, oh my, you know. But that's the reality <laughs> is those 10,000 hours, they suck. And the only way to get through them is to have and or develop grit. But like we said earlier, you don't get disciplined by just waking up one day. You get grittier by doing grittier things. You you describe me having grit but it's, it's like, there's a certain part of me. Don't get me wrong. I'm in a joyful space. I love, I love my life. I'm in a happy place right now. But there are definitively times where I go dark, not in like an evil way, but like I hunker down somewhere and I, I, I grit through it. I clench my teeth and I'm going to win. Even if it's just me in my mind, I'm going to win. And that, that was developed over years of doing that. You just, I was subjected to situations to have to stick in. And when you stick in, you get that little piece of, of that muscle of grit. And I, I can hold that, put it in my pocket and walk around life. And then at some point in time, life gives me another situation that says, hey, I need you to deposit that grit because I need something else of you. And I go, cool, here, plug in, let's go to work. And I put that grit coin down, I, I, I invest and I'm a, I keep pushing, I get more back, right? So the more I give, the more I get, and it's that dance. Then eventually it becomes, even like we talked earlier, it becomes effortless effort. I'm giving the same effort as somebody else, but because I have developed this muscle, it feels lighter to me. Because life, it's like, it's always, people go, I'm going to wait till it's easier. I want to do this and then it'll eventually get easier. I'm going to do this and it's eventually get easier. I'm going to get, I'm going to, it's eventually get easier. It doesn't get easier. I got a son in college right now who's like, dad, college is kicking my butt. And I go, good. Just so you know, it doesn't get easier. But I had, hey, listen, you get stronger. I said, what you're doing right now, I could do that in my sleep, bro. But it's not because I'm better. I'm just stronger because I went to, I did that for years and I stayed in the pocket. I built that muscle. So don't, it's not like it's easier for me because the, the work itself is easier. I'm just stronger. And the strength came from repetition and doing the thing, developing that grit. I'm curious and- how you suggest people to process their failures or where they've messed up because mm. we've, we've spoken of like the importance like of planning, right? And it, it, this growth doesn't happen by chance. You have to build in some kind of strategy to reflect on where you've gone wrong. Heck yeah. So even on a practical level, I even you. how you would organize this in your life, what would you do? All right, there's, there's, there's levels of failure. There's actually six levels of failure. You're having me go into the ethers of my, um, my training. So I, the things I'm talking to, I've codified and simplified into actual frameworks. There's a process called reframing failure, I call it. And imagine there's going to be um, this line in the middle. I call it the learning line. Above the line are three different segments. Below the line are three segments. You learn below the line. Here's how it works. We most of the time have these situations take place and they become failures. The top three, the very top sixth one is called abject failure. The end of the world. Something died. The pumpkin broke, right? They can't put it back together. And we sometimes have moments in life happen and we go, oh, it's, I'm never going to be loved again. I can't ever do this, right? We think it's abject. It's not. We'll get to that. The one below that's called structural failure. Something really big and heavy happened and it, it kind of caused it all to come tumbling down. It can be fixed, but 
it's going to be so much work. So I just don't fix it. Then you have what's called glorious failure. I'm going to, this thing's going down. The ship is sinking. I'm going to smoke a cigar and watch it burn, right? Those top three, they become emotionally painful to the level of people avoiding them. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I just want to avoid it. I'm going to go drink it away, drug it away, sex it away, right? I'm going to distract myself. I'm never going to focus on it because it's too painful. So I never learned a lesson. Then you have the learning line. Below the learning line, it's what's called the common failure. It's the reason an apology was created. I'm sorry I messed up. Why do we say I'm sorry? So I don't do it again. That inherently means I locked, looked at it. I learned. Okay, don't do that. I am sorry it won't happen again. Simple. Below that one, you have what's called version failure. Now, version failure is the one where like we try something like the iPhone 15 exists now, right? Because we tried iPhone 1 and they learned something and they went back and they reapplied it because they learned what should be done better. Let's take the button off. No button, change the screen, the thickness, the battery, the what, you know, over time, the versions get better and better. If they go, I put this thing out. Some people didn't like it. No more iPhone. We'd never have the iPhone 15. Then you have the let that was called predicted failure. I think we should all live in this space, meaning I'm going to do something and I know for sure something's going to go wrong. And when it goes wrong, I bring me to that problem because I know that I'm going to intentionally go into it and go, look, I'm going to try the best I can. But I know I'm going to make a mistake. And when I do, I'm going to learn and reapply. Here's what a mistake happens for most people. They try to get a promotion. They don't get it. And they go, it's the end of the world. I'm never going to do it. Right? They get abject failure in their head. I'm never going to get promoted. The, the boss, I'm going to quit this job because it sucks. They don't respect. They put it way too high or they call it structural. I'm never going to get there. So why even try? And they become a cancer at work or they go, all right, this version of me did not get that job. Didn't get the promotion. Hey boss, what did I not do? What am I not doing? Where can I improve? Where can I improve the version of me to reapply? Right. Or maybe they, they, they go in and go, look, I'm going to go and try for this gig. And I know for sure that like I, I can, but I, I, I'm sure there's some errors that if I was supposed to have the promotion, I'd already have it. So obviously there's probably some reason I don't. Let me apply, find out what's going on. Predicted failure. When you live in those spaces, ego-free, you learn things you can easily reapply to something new because you're going into it knowing there's going to be a place to improve. So a lot of the people listening, they're just taking most of their failures and putting them above the failure line, that the learning line is a failure. And so what happens is everything that, that happens to them, they go, oh, it's the end of the world. I can't learn from this. Why even try? I don't want to feel bad. And they don't realize that that's never where it's supposed to be. Honestly, it should be below the line. You try something, doesn't pan out. What version of me needs to be improved? Where should I have predicted something was probably going to go wrong? And if it did, what did I learn? And then reapply yourself. When you live in that space, failure actually becomes lessons. But if you don't do that, then it's just pain. And then in terms of reflecting on this or revisiting it, is this something you would do in real time? Like let's say when you had a period of time where you said your business wasn't going very well, now it's doing better. Mm -hmm. How would you reapply those lessons on the daily? Oh, yeah. So I have people that are around me. Uh, This is, I think it's a guy named Tim Murphy says it's hard to see the label when you're inside the jar. So we all do things and we don't realize there's a way we're functioning that's part of our identity that's usually blind to us, right? That we just do. And we don't see it. So we have to have other people pointed out sometimes to show us the the chink in the armor, right? That's providing the, the process to our failure. So sometimes we can't see it. We got to ask other people. And so you can actually, you can look at old things, old situations, old failures. You can extract the lessons even now that you might've made so bad in the past that you can go, oh, well, that was why my relationship failed. Okay, maybe I should stop doing that, right? It could have been 10 years ago, but you can learn it now. And then you can also go into the point and going, you know, this is happening in real time. I'm Okay, I tried this. It didn't work. Why didn't it work? And you can create something that makes it feel better to sleep at night, or you can go, I'm going to ask somebody who is, who's in a position that loves and respects me enough to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. And I can hear the harsh truth make the genuine correct action or change and fix it. And so you can do it in real time by yourself being very, very objective if you can, which is hard to do. Um, and or yeah. have people that are around you point the thing out and go, oof, all right, that hit me in the heart, but you're right. Okay, let me try that differently now. Yeah. But you can't be attached to the outcome because if you are, you're going to have your ego get eaten up. 
as opposed to attaching yourself to the efforts. When you attach your identity to the efforts that you take each day, there's no problem taking feedback because you're going to be the person that applies the effort to fix it. Great point. It's like what you said before about falling in love with the process as well. Yeah. Yeah, you got to do that. That's uh, yeah, not easy to do, but you have to. You have to find a way to love the, the grit of it, the dirtiness. You have to. You have to enjoy the, uh, the 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 part of it that comes as like an internal pride from nobody else. Here, here's the thing. I uh, I have this brand called Dark Work. I got the shirt on. I got the cup. Right. This is my actual brand. It's in the direction of of identity. I find that people don't wake up and go, I want to make an identity shift, but they do connect with this language. When I was 15 and I sucked at football. I had to subject myself to a window of time, which I call a dark work experience. Why experience? Because we're all wired neurologically and psychologically based on our experiences. The way I see, the way I feel, it's all based on how I, I process and my brain connections. And so I did it unintentionally back in the day. I was like, I'm going to start doing all the things that football players do. I don't feel like a football player yet. I lifted the weights, ran the routes, teammates made fun of me. But after seven months of sticking into it, developing grit, staying in the flow, looking at things as, as just you know version and, and predicted failures, I kept showing up and kept showing up. When I got to the football field, the next season, I had what's called a dark work mentality. I called it a dominator's identity. But here's the thought in my head. I've done too much work in the dark to lose in the light. That was it. I had done too much that you didn't see, that you weren't part of, that you, you didn't celebrate. No one gave me high fives. I was in the dark behind the scenes killing it. And because of how hard I know I pushed myself, when it's me and you on the line, you don't get to win. You don't even know why you don't get to win, but I'm going to fight tooth and nail to get this W, no matter what the W is. And for a lot of individuals, they want that feeling in the defining moment, but that is earned in the dark. So when I, when I talk to folks and I talk about what do you want to accomplish, this next year shouldn't be about going big. It should be about going really, really small, but in a very big way. When you do that, you make these dark work deposits. We talked about, right? And you get to draw on those departs, say draw on your darkness in those defining moments. The sales in the line, the jobs in the line, your health in the line, and you fight differently because you don't want that investment to be worth nothing because you spent the last three, four, five, six weeks, months, years diving in and killing it in this area when no one was giving you high fives. In fact, people might've made fun of you while you were doing it, but you show up and you fight differently and you become somebody different in the process too. Mm, and you build your confidence in that so much all day long. Oh, that's it's 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 guttural, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's keeping the little promises to yourself, and also that's probably reiterates what you said about going small too, yeah, not extending yourself too far. So then you have yeah. a recipe for failure. Yeah, really do. You have to find something simple, twenty minutes a day, and do it. It's as much as it sounds like it's nothing. Twenty minutes a day of something hard is hard still, and you got to do it. But when you do it. You're doing what's called dark work, unsexy, unseen, difficult stuff that develops a pride and a, a, a really a true skill in an area. So not only do I have the skill set I've been looking for because I've been doing the work, I have this, this dominator's identity of which I'm going to show up and dominate the situation in a positive way, right? To dominate means to govern and to control. I can dominate my morning meditation routine, really, right? But the idea is you do it every day. You're not, you're not doing it because you feel like it. You're doing it because it says on Monday, at three o'clock in the afternoon, I do this. Also on Wednesday, also on Friday, and you do it. And because you did it, you feel better about yourself and you get a skill set and you keep on doing that. But you don't do it for likes on social media. You don't do it for a cool story view. You don't do it because your wife is saying it's cool. You don't do it because your kids, you do it for you. And then what happens is what you did in the dark, no one saw, but they cannot miss the shine of your light in the light. Mm, beautifully said. I want to come up to a sort of summary here about this idea really of of shifting our identity and bring it down into a very practical, very practical mm -hmm. terms here for somebody who is saying, okay, but I don't see myself in this way. I can't cool. see myself as a successful business owner yet. I can't see myself as a 65 kilo. I don't know what, what the goal is you. for people, yeah. but how do we drill this down into very practical terms? Easy. I'm going to give you three simple steps that are uh, simple, but not easy. This is actually the work we do. We put people through like 90 day experiences, definitively like this. And it's not like this. We're going to go to Thailand. Like it's an actual, you're going to subject yourself to your own plan for your own purposes over 90 days. What you do is there's three steps. The first one is you must respect the light, which means you must respect, which is to have admiration for the thing you want most, know what it is, clear so you know when you're going to cross the finish line, have it so picture perfect in your, in your head that you can give it to somebody else 
they can see it. Two, figure out who has done this already and what it takes to get there because you may not like that person, but you got to respect that person because we all know people that we don't like that have what we want and we don't pay attention to them, but you should because they have it, right? Figure out what you have to do. And then third thing is, what is the actual thing you're missing? What's your work to do? What's your label on your jar? That's respect and the light. Now that you know, the second thing is you must design your dark. When I work with people, we design out literally in their calendar, basically figured out the things that are your habits that you must have to develop the identity and the achievements that you want. What is it like to make the plan for that? The actual tactical, tangible plan in your calendar that's designed for all the pieces that you want as part of your identity in the future. We put it in place, then we go dark in action day. When do we start? Boom. The third part of it is, it's called emerge. At some point, you must emerge from this window of time and take action towards the vision you said you wanted to accomplish. Maybe it's you want to run a race, a marathon, you want to launch the business, get the promotion. Beautiful. When's the date for the race? When are you going to launch the business? When are you going to ask for the promotion, right? Now we act on it. And what happens is in those moments, you get to do what's called compete with conviction for what it is you want most by getting to a moment that's a defining moment. You'll know when you're in it because your heart starts racing, you start sweating, you're like, all right, you're, it's all, what do I do? You draw in your darkness now. In that moment, you know you've done 90 days of just straight get down work and it's been hard and you fought and you battled yourself and you had pride in those moments. You have to pretty much borrow on that and apply it in this moment and draw in that darkness and you get to succeed. If you look at all the best athletes in the world, when the game's in a line, they're not bad. They're going like, hey guys, we can do it. Not like they're, they're quiet. They're, they're, you can see like they're, they're settled inside. Like they're, they, their eyes are somewhere else. Like they're just, like they're just monsters. And very they, present, very focused. They're, they're not with us. They're with the years of preparation. They know what they've done. When they go out to their mind, they don't have to say it. But what they're feeling is, I've done too much work in the dark to lose in the light. And that dark work that they did is the reason they get to succeed right now. Yeah, beautifully That's said. That's how you do it. Yeah. So we've got the steps now, Anthony, and a lot of inspiration. I hope everyone listening is that you're going to take away a lot from this conversation and know that it is just the small, consistent actions in the step, in the direction that you want to go. You have the clear vision, you break it down, and you will get there. You will get there. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Thanks, Rob. There's no shortcut because all the things we're talking about the, the dark work it develops the identity because really we all have an identity because of things we chose to do but we didn't plan them we just started doing things because crap hit the fan for me when people are in front of me i go look i know you want a mindset you want to straight you want to feel confident you're beautiful we just have to choose the actions that will lead us to that level of confidence but do know the actions you choose you will feel unconfident in in the beginning 100 percent, you should because you don't do that but if we can figure out what will be the thing that leads you there, cool. Now we know what unconfident actions to take that develop the identity and the achievement you want. We got it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Anthony. It's been a true pleasure Welcome. talking to you. Welcome. <laughs>